Uh, from the apocalypse, it's the No Class RPG Podcast with your hosts Eddie and Matt. Well, hello, internet friends. If we sound a little different today, it's because we're doing this in two separate locations. Can you say social isolation? This is just extreme distancing. <laughs> Probably for the best. I had a chili dog earlier. Oh, and I had a big uh, Chipotle burrito. Oh, hallelujah. With extra beans. <laughs> chemical warfare, chemical warfare. <sighs> yeah, this is a little different. We're doing Anchor. We're in two different locations. So we may get some lulls just because we can't see when somebody's done talking now. Yeah. Um. So I guess just to jump right in there, um, you know, at the beginning of most casts, we talk about the con or our cons. Um, so if you haven't if heard about spring, go ahead, Eddie. It is canceled. Wah, wah, wah. But the lucky thing is we already have two cons a year. Mm-hmm. So instead of being really outright canceled, it's more like it's just merging into the November. Yeah. And I mean, November has been our traditional con. This will be our fifth year. Wow. Is that right? It is not. Oh, okay. Four. (laughs) Four. (laughs) It feels like five. It feels like more, but you know, feels like a hundred. Yeah, but no, when you but do two cons a year, which we've done two cons a year pretty much from the beginning, that's true. Like overall, this would have been our fifth, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Anywho, but yeah, so it's just postponed. November was kick butt last year. We got a lot of positive uh, uh, praise, which we appreciated. Um, and, and any negativity wasn't really directed at us as much as other things. Um, and we've refined processes and we're aware of some things. So I think this year was going to be even better. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And I guess a, a, a tip of the hat for people that were expecting to play board games at spring, we will now go against what our original plan was and allow some board games at the, at the November con, if I'm correct. That is correct. I thought if you already be- had your long con spring pass, that is now a long con pass. Yeah. And so we don't have to do anything. You're not getting cheated out. Yeah, we've we got a lot of great board games that were, you know, that we got by hook or by crook um, that we're still going to raffle and you'll be able to play and play to win and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the amount of board games that we have just keeps growing. I've got some of those giant Tupperware bins full of them now. And I'm sure his wife is just tickle pink. Delighted. Delighted by that mess of board games taking over the house humble listener and and fans of long con these are the slings and arrows we suffer our wives are like more crap in the house and we're like i love you dear you know yeah so if you don't think we're not going to give stuff away away. (laughs) not only do we love you but we've got you for our own health and safety exactly well let's talk about something for the hopefully last time the old Coronas. You Uh-oh. don't want to talk about it, and I don't want to talk about it. And Amen. I know we've talked about a lot of 
our entertainment, you just want to kick back and relax and not hear about it. Mm -hmm. So we're telling you now in the future, we're kicking back in and not talking about it. Yeah. We figured you, you need have to, have, you have to suffer through one more bump of it right here. Cause really that's, that's the long con spring news. Yeah. I mean, if there's anyone that takes it seriously, it, it's us. Eddie's wife works in healthcare. I work in healthcare. We're exposed or potentially exposed to it constantly. And we worry about us getting it, but more bringing it home to the people we care about. Um, so no, we're well aware of it, and and I'm hoping everyone's isolating and using good hand hygiene and you know being smart. But anyway, I'm tired of hearing about it myself. So that's that's my that's it. I'm done. My two bits. Yeah. So we're just telling you, we're not telling you about it anymore. Yep. It's not that we don't care, but we figure you're tired of hearing about it. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk about another thing though that comes out of this virtual tabletop. Yeah, I will. I don't know. I, I'll be the bad guy. I'll be the old guy and go, I'm not a fan. And, we, and you know, I'm not either. I'll go ahead and chime in. I got your back. Yay. Yeah. Thanks for that. I needed the sport. Of course. But other than just being grumpy old men, <laughs> which we are, I, it's not as good an experience as face to face. Give them your analogy. I like it. Okay, so to me, this is the, I guess, PG-13 R-rated version, is it's like the difference between sex and phone sex. It's just not as good. But if that's all you've got... Oh, I'll take the phone sex, but... You'll get the I job get done. Yeah. <laughs> but, as I was saying a little earlier today, I've got a ton of video games to play. Uh, I've talked to Matt more now in the last few weeks that I've talked to him, you know, before that, since we've been socially isolated, we've been talking more because of video games because we're on that fallout 76. Yeah. Um, there are so many games that you can play together with your pals. And I tell you that, that headphone headset for PS4 is laughing. Uh, Gary was like, well, gosh, cause we're so used to this years of computer stuff. Like, do I have to configure this? I went, no, just plug it in and it works. Like I'm, it's something that's genuinely plug and play. I'm just astonished that I haven't, didn't have to configure anything, you know, and it's actually rather yeah. robust, you know, that's one yeah. of the cool things, you know, PC master race and longview computer center all, all day long. But when you've got a PS4 or an Xbox or whatever, everyone has the same system. Yeah. It just works. You don't have to worry about, well, is my video card good enough? Do I have enough memory? Yeah. Is this piece going to work with that piece? Yeah. If it's PS4 compatible, it works. Yeah. And I think that headset was made specific for PS4. Why wouldn't it just work? You know, it'd be really exactly. bad if it didn't. Yeah. And um, I mean, Fallout 76 isn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it does scratch that itch. We're getting to play a, a game together. We're doing quests and stuff. We're chatting. You know, I mean, it's it's we're having fun with it, you know. Yeah, personally, I'd rather if I'm going to have to video or if I'm going to have to just chat with you through the headphones, I would prefer it to be in a video game because it's less conversation intensive, interaction intensive, yeah. however you want to say that. Yeah. No, that's that's good. But I, I, like I know how... you're not good. I'll let you go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, it's, it's nice while like, you know, there's those times when you're traveling to the quest area or you're waiting to find that one quest spawn or something like that. And it's fun. You can be chit chatting about just, you know, anything, anything, you know, and it, and it, it takes those, what would be, and there's not many lulls I and mean, this game's pretty action intensive, but during those lulls, it's nice to be chit chatting and bullshitting and whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's nice in a video game where you can go, Hey, you go around to the left. I'll go around to the right. You can coordinate your efforts. Yeah, I just on a side note, but segue into that, I just found an, a quest in game that essentially they don't tell you this, but you can tell if you're paying attention. It requires more than one person because each one of you has to use a uh, like a a badge card that you swipe through this you know through a reader, and there's and there's like reader A and reader B, and B's on the other side of the building, and you have like seconds you have to coordinate it like with the players. So if you had a headset, we were together in the game, easiest quest ever. Go, all right, on three, one, two, three. We both slash our cards and it opens the door to the main shutoff button or whatever. If you're trying to do that as a single player, or even if you're doing it without headsets among two players, it might be tough to coordinate it, you know? So did you do it or did you just walk away? Well, <laughs> I'll tell on myself. Um, luckily I've got that mutation where like speed demo, I can move pretty fast. And I made sure I wasn't encumbered and they give you about a three second little, I'd like slash the card before it even acknowledge on the screen, you know, you swiped your card. I'm already dashing to the other one. And it took about a dozen attempts, but I was able to swipe both, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so I did do the quest solo, but like if you'd been on, <laughs> I would have reached out and said, Hey man, you know, plus most of these quests are repeatable. So this one we could do again sometime, you know? Anyway. So I'll tell you, yes, I've also done that quest by myself. <laughs> okay. So, so how many attempts? But it is pain, do? and I, it took probably a, at least a dozen attempts. It takes willpower yeah. to do that one. Oh, yeah. But that is kind of like, okay, turn your keys at the same time. Yeah. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm so fast, I'm going to turn both keys at the same time by myself. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's definitely another uh, thing people to consider an outlet right now when we really want our gaming fix and we want to be able to be sociable without face to facing. I mean, but I will I'll tell the I'll tell myself I know it's coming and this might be if you can call it a silver lining in such a terrible, terrible event. But if it's one thing, it's probably maybe going to twist the arm of a bunch of old grognards like us to finally embrace, if not embrace, at least attempt online gaming so i have invested in a a decent mid-range headset with microphone for my computer and i'm like uh, reluctantly gonna try uh some online gaming because well yeah we're 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 more than likely going to be running games for some upcoming virtual cons so with that in mind i might as well just bite the bullet and give it a whirl you know yeah i think i'm going to get forced into doing it but i do not want to do it no I, i'm not i'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not indeed if you enjoy it and love it don't don't hate on me i'm not hating on you i kind of maybe i envy you it's kind of like like right now i had somebody give me an ipad and i gave it to one of my kids because i if i and i own way too many books and my wife complains about that too but i'd rather hold a book in my hand and maybe it's an older thing an ingrained thing but the, but the organic feel of the book in my hand and I don't know why, but I'm not at all comfortable reading from a iPad reader or whatever. I wish I was. I know people that are like, I have a million books on my reader. I'm like, I think I'm going to save that space, space that saves in your house or something. And I'm kind of envious, but it's just, I guess maybe I need to 
just make a more strident effort to get acclimated to it or something? Well, for me, gaming is about the social experience and it's a lot harder to have those side chats on a, in a virtual setting. Like even if I'm private messaging you, then that mm-hmm. can be distracting while you're supposed to be listening to what the GM is trying to show you that sort of thing. Yeah. And then what I was starting to say a minute ago was you're not on the Twitter really. Yeah. Correct. No. no, 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 God, no. But the great Brendan LaSalle was saying he had a problem with players playing other games while he's running a game. Oh, dude. He's like, I could see another screen where they had some video game up. That's happening to Brendan LaSalle. Who is this? It's going to happen to everyone. Yeah. Or the potential for it to happen. I'm going to go through. It's a lot easier to be, to get interrupted and distractions. Yeah. Because you're sitting there at a screen that you could be, you know, surfing the web, playing some other one, playing some other game. But I mean, off to the side. How much of an Adderall candidate do you have to be that you can't, like, you know, God, there's like a little bit of a almost lull in the game. Oh my God, oh my God, I got to just be so overstimulated or some shit that you can't, you know, you got to be. But you see that at the table. When you're at the table with somebody, you see people doing that. I know, I know. And I mean, and I. Now you're not there to give them a dirty look when they're on their phone. Right. I, I remember it shows you how this is not a necessarily new thing. Way back in the living Greyhawk days, there was a kid that came to a table at the con at one of the Texas RPG cons for living Greyhawk. It was his laptop. And when that, this was the age where people were starting to have a character on a, on a screen. So it's no big deal until all of a sudden the GM looked over and realized the kid was playing. Wow. The World of Warcraft while he's at the table to be playing D and D and the guy, Oh, that damn, I remember what he said, but he, he gave the guy this, the biggest, dirty look and really scathing remarks about, you know, what is your problem that, you know, you, you came to play a D and D game and you're playing freaking wild at the same time. I mean, what, what the hell guy pick one or the other. He's like, either carry your ass back to your hotel room, bring your, take your laptop and go play wild or close the damn thing. And let's play some D and D, you know, and the kid didn't say Jack. Cause I think he knows, I mean, that's really rude, you know, but anyway, but what an age. We and then people in. are more likely to interrupt you when you're back here on your, headset yeah people are going to come in and go well you're not really doing anything and you're like well i am whereas if you're actually out and about you're Mm -hmm. out where you can't be interrupted or you got all your friends over there's more of a etiquette yeah where they're not going to walk in and go like hey come do this whereas online you're just sitting there with headphones on yeah yeah well i mean that's like i've been married to well, never mind. But anyway, I remember my first wife could never understand, like, I would be doing a, uh, I mean, I, I played EverQuest, you know, and I'd be doing some guild event and everybody needs focused and being on task and, and being attentive and like, okay, I have to off tank this certain mob at a certain time and have this one spell that they can help kind of lock it down. And if I don't do it just right, this whole thing can wipe. And, you know, so, I mean, it was serious. And there's other human beings on the other sides of those little avatars that have been looking forward to this guild raid all week long. And I'd go to the, my ex, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go playing. I'm playing EverQuest tonight. We're going on a big raid. There's going to be some cool loot. We're real excited about it. And she'd be like, well, why don't you just blow that off and we'll go get a bite. Here's I'm like, we've been talking about this all week. Everyone, those are human beings, like 50 other people in this guild that are all 
excited about it. All she's seeing is characters on a screen, and she's assuming it's like in the video game where that's just some AI yeah, running just the pause thing. your game. Just pause your game. I'm like, this isn't that kind of game, hon. You know, and we we just she never would either was couldn't understand it or wasn't willing to understand it. And that's not my current wife. That was a, a previous wife. And Steph's overall pretty cool, but I could still see her possibly walking up like you said, and start chatting to me or something in the middle of trying to run a game because she sees uh-huh. me sitting there and she needs something, you know. Uh, again, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Whereas if you're in a group of people, they're less likely to do that. Well, like if she knows like it's Thursday game night and I'm in the game room and she'll still lean in and say, hey, everybody. And everybody's like, hey, Miss Gullet or Steph or whatever, you know, and, and she'll just kind of like, how's everybody? Oh, we're good. Thanks. And then, you know, and she can tell it's like a lull when she'll do that. And then she goes upstairs and, and closes her door and watches some tawdry Netflix murder, you know, murderous wives, you know, or whatever. But she's probably getting ideas for how she's going to off me. Lucky girl. No one will complain. No one will say a word. No, not one tear will be shed. And you know, it's what I live with. But anyway, um, but yeah, but yeah. To cover to cover us as always. If you like it, great. That just means more you have that you're having that much more fun than we are in that regard. Like I said, I'm almost a little envious. You know that that you you enjoy it and embrace it. Yeah, we are not hating on you for enjoying it. No, no. I yeah. I mean, as far as grumpy old men, it's like, nah, man. That's great. That's like those those little goofy looking damn. Muppet things that people buy at game stores and they take up half the damn store anymore. If you enjoy those, more power to you. I I just don't get it. You know what do they call them? Poppets or some shit? Or oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about those little like the bobble hitty type things. Yeah, yeah. Towards the end of the show, we'll come up with that name. Exactly. It, that, that's I'm not a different. fan of those either. No, but that's because we're we're grumpy old men apparently. And I will say that while we're on this topic, there are people have asked us, do we want to do Long Con Spring virtual? And the answer is, hell no. (laughs) But you have a lot of options. Yeah. You can go virtual game. Our game club, there's some virtual gaming going on. There are a couple of virtual cons other than us. Yeah. Uh, DCC is about to have their Cyclops con. Yeah, which would which have been exciting. the weekend before Long Con Spring. Yeah, I saw that. And was like, oh my, you know. And we'll probably get dragged into that. Yeah, and so I think for anybody that was hoping we would go virtual, well, there's another virtual con that will have a lot of the same material, a lot of the same people attending it. Why not just embrace that, and we'll just call it? Man, this is the pseudo sort of replacement for you know Spring. Yeah, and another one that I would like you to check out is the Tabletop Events Con of Champions because those guys have taken a taken a huge hit from all the cancellations of conventions. And what's worse is not just cancellations, but people have, instead of reaching out to them to ask for a refund, which they would gladly give, people were just jumping straight to, um, what do you call it? You know what I'm talking about. Chargebacks. Chargebacks. So that's even steeper. And also it pinged with enough of those. It makes you look bad. Like certain banks won't allow you to do transactions with people that have got a really bad record or whatever. Yeah. You want to call it. So I think it's this really, is called Stripe or something like that. Yeah. Who handles their processing. So they're getting a low rating there, which affects them. So they had originally said we're closing our doors at the end of the month. Which yeah. Is not good for long con November. 
But now they're starting to raise funds through this virtual con. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone that attend that had a badge for long con spring, you're getting a badge to this convention. Yep. You're welcome. But if you would like to donate some of your own cash, please feel free. Because we're definitely not the only con that uses this. No, I mean... Uh, Gary Con uses it. NTRPG uses it. Every con uses it. There's not anything... Out, the only even thing relatively close to it is is so janky. I can't imagine anybody using it. Yeah, so it's a big deal for us. We'd like to keep it open. We've made a pretty good donation Yeah, for us. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm really proud of us. I mean, I'm glad we did it. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's something that this is, this is an incredible, invaluable resource. It's just hard to believe it's the only thing out there, you know, but it is. And so we, we really, it behooves us, you know, to, I mean, even whatever, if it's a dollar, give them a dollar, man. I mean, if, if a thousand people gave them a dollar, that's a thousand dollars. I mean, you know, that, that helps. Yeah, they keep only the door need, open. and this, I say they only, they only need, 56,000 for the year. Yeah. So Which, I, mean, I mean, think about that. That's not some, you know, we have to get 2 million. Yeah. I've seen obscure Kickstarter startups that really only reach to a niche of people. You know, one of these kind of products or services through Kickstarter that I'm like, yeah, I'll see how much money they get. And they've developed and they've produced more money than that. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm just some niche kind of oddball concept thing. So I'm thinking, well, gosh, if some Kickstarter can get more than that, I would hope they can get that, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't have a game to recommend to you this week because the uh, board game demos have been shut down. But yeah. I will, again, I think, recommend The Immortal Hulk. Hmm. If you have not checked out that comic book, The Immortal Hulk is the goods. Really? Yeah, it's a horror comic more than anything. Wow. So definitely Matt, check it out. Yeah. I think you'd really like it. It's got a lot of really out there concepts that I think would, for any of the DCC type fans that like that left field sort of stuff like that, really, really good. And for all the parents out there, don't let your kids read The Incredible Hulk right now. It's called The Immortal Hulk. But yeah. If they want that new Hulk comic book, I, <laughs> I would say no. Yeah. Oh, but no. I mean, does it have some sort of a warning on the cover, I hope? I don't know. Wow. But I've read it virtually, I so I haven't had a chance. They didn't card me or anything like that when I got it. Yeah. So, I mean, because there hmm. are ways to read comics online for free. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's I'll say right now. I've been trying to post this in different places for people right now. You can you can read the original ElfQuest series for free online. Um, and there's other things like that and various different great uh, animated series. Like I can't say I have enough good things about Samurai Jack. That's available free to stream right now. Um, G.I. Joe, you know, and from when I was a kid. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. That you, and I'm really proud of these companies as much as I'm the first guy to kind of, I'm not, whatever. I'm not going to, ooh, boo-hoo, all companies are evil, bullshit. But even I'll go, yeah, well, some of these companies really are evil. Um, but it's nice to see a lot of companies are like, okay, we're going to let you have this for free or watch it for free, enjoy it for free. We're going to hand wave that feed. At a, I mean, it really shows that 
as, as much as a lot of bad stuff going on, where there's a lot of good stuff. People, you know, people are, yeah, it's you know, there's some good things happening. All right. So if you want to catch us reluctantly running some games in VTT, you can probably find us on the Con of Champions, Cyclops Clan for Goodman Games. And I'm hoping that we won't be doing NTRPG virtual, that we'll actually get to do that in person. Yeah, that I want to do. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. But I don't know. Trying to be positive. Well, yeah. Speaking of adventures and free. We're going to do our top personal top five adventures, ones that we enjoy running. And a couple of mine are free. Oh, clever. So do you want to start this off or do you want to want me to? I'm easy like Sunday morning. Um, well, but you know, flip a coin. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Start it up. All right. So I think, as Eddie said, it's not just one that we've enjoyed playing really so much as one or you know, whatever. It's one that we've enjoyed running. And so probably, you know, it was really hard for me to come up with this list, but um, I just sort of let jumped in, dove in. And so top of my list is S1 Tomb of Horrors. Um, yeah, I, knew, I saw that one coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one that I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of running it for Eddie or even, but it's one through the years and I've been doing gaming, gosh, you know, now what, 30 plus years or something, but I've ran that a number of times and it used to be a fun one to run at cons because if you ran someone's beloved character on it, they would probably kick you square in the taint um, because you're going to kill their character. Um, but anyway, the, the S1 to Mars is the first of the original S series written in 1975. It wasn't published until 1978 and it's by the man himself, Gary Gygax. Um, you know, Gary Gygax wrote it. It premiered at the very first origins con interestingly enough. And they say one of the, the thought process going into it when Gary Gygax wrote it was about this point, there were people who have been playing D and D since, you know, the white box and then uh, you know, the, the other products that came forward and he wrote it. There were people that were coming to him bragging, like I've got a character that can't even die. Cause they're so badass or whatever. And the guy yeah. <laughs> kind of chuckled like really skippy, you know? And I mean, Tumahars is, it's funny, we, we now play, uh, you know, DCC a lot, and, and maybe this segues into that now that I think about it. But, like, I, I don't want everyone to kill anybody's character, but the one thing I like about Funnels, I can wantonly just kill droves of characters and not have any bad feelings, and players generally aren't going to be remorseful either because they, they just got this character, there's no real connection, and they've got usually a four-up in front of them. Um, but like two Mahars was that, that original meat grinder, I'm going to kill your character. So I'd run at a con where here I've got some pre-gens, dig in the stack. I'd almost grin to myself. I'd see people really putting all this great thought into which one they grab, which character and hemming and hawing about, well, you want to take the wizard? Done? I'd be thinking, I want to go just grab one at random. I'm going to have them dead in about 15 minutes, you know? Um, but yeah, two Mahars is just a really, uh, as a player and I'd played it, um, it really, you got to bring your A game. A lot of it's not about how badass your, this is you know, your AD&D character was or whatever. Um, it really, it's just you as a player making some wise decisions and having some luck really, you know, involved. 
But anyway, have you played Tomb of Horrors? Oh, I've, I've absolutely played it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Gary uh, Hopkins that ran me on it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, which so see, you had I, the ultimate experience. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, not to say that Gary's like a masochist in or anything, but no, I mean, he definitely. But and, and that's like I love like talking about this damn adventure. You're probably going to die before you find the proper entrance into the tomb, and then you're going to die in that entrance. I mean, I've had people that. Party wipes before they even got into the dungeon proper, you know. I mean, so it's that kind of adventure. But anyway, so it's it's the face. It's kind of fun for the GM to run, um, and even some players enjoy it. Some maybe don't. Uh, but it's just it's so classic, so iconic. And and the proof's in the pudding. How many times has the Tomb of Horrors been redone? There was like Return to the Tomb of Horrors, Son of the Tomb of Horrors, Dicket, Second Cousin of the Tomb. I mean, there's been all these reiterations and, and reimaginings through in third edition, I think fourth edition, fifth edition. So I don't think I'm the only person that feels it's, it's kind of iconic, you know? Oh no, for sure. But that's one that I have never played. Um, so, um, yeah, well, that's something that we need to remedy, but I, here's what's ironic. Like I said, uh, all the years I played D and D and gamed, I never had played the, the village of Hamlet until you ran it for me. And that's like your baby, you know, but I hope I'm not spoiling something here. Um, Cause we actually, by the way, dear listener, we haven't compared notes on which modules we picked, but yeah. So that's one of those things that if you've never played it and hopefully never read it, or if you have, it's been a minute, I would love to get a group together. In fact, I'll, I'll tell that story. I at one point wrote a funnel for DCC using the Tomb of Horrors as inspiration. It was a, an homage, you know, but then I found out that the incomparable Chris Lorichella had already done his own version of it and played it at uh, yeah. NTRPG and had a blast. And I thought, well, pff, you know, no, nah, I mean, he, okay, it's been done, you know. It's been done and done expertly now. Yeah, because yeah, Chris, Chris is phenomenal. He's just, everything he touches turns to gold. So he's just a great guy to boot. But anyway. Yeah. And that's somebody I'd like to lure down to the long con at some point. I've tried, man. I've tried. Who knows? Never say never. If the bribes get high enough. I guess so. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. You're first, man. You're, you're number one. Let me say, are yours in a particular order or they're just five and you're letting them go? I guess when I think about it, I should have stopped at the bottom and worked my way up. Like, like, you know, historically you build to the climax. I didn't even think about it. That was my, that was my top choice. I started with number one. So. <laughs> I, I'm a little, well, in case you can't hear it in my voice, dear listener, my sinuses, I have bad allergies. I, I'm yeah. I'm a little adult pated maybe from sinus meds and sinuses or whatever. But, well, mine are in no particular order. Okay. This indeed might be one of the most obvious ones that you're like, okay, this is going to be on there. So mm-hmm. we go from S1 mm-hmm. to P1, hmm. the village of Hamlet. Ding, ding, ding. Which, here we go. The village of Hamlet has grown up and around a crossroads in a woodland. Once far away from important activity, it became embroiled in the struggle between gods and demons when the temple of elemental evil arose but a few leagues away. Luckily, its inhabitants, for its inhabitants, the temple and evil hordes were destroyed a decade ago, but Hamlet still suffers from incursions of bandits and strange monsters. So, pretty good hook to start with right there. It's right. also the lead-in to the Temple of Elemental Evil, and a lot of times you'll see that together. T1 through 4 is the Temple of Elemental Evil, but I've never got to run all the way through the temple. So I'm going to put specifically 
the village of Hamlet because I run that sucker all the time. Yeah. It was written by Gary Gygax in 1979. There you go. Uh, one interesting thing that I found in my research here is that if you go back and look at the basic D&D supplement, AC5 player character record sheets, there is a cover by Clyde Caldwell, my man, for an adventure he was called he was told was going to be called the Moat House. Mm-hmm. So the uh, player character sheets, that little booklet has a Temple of Elemental Evil or a Village Hamlet, should I say, cover. Hmm. And I'd never seen it before. So I was like, oh, that's really some cool art that should have been included with this. Yeah. And we've probably beat this horse to death. But the really cool thing about the Village of Hamlet is that it's a village, yeah. probably three-fourths of the book is about the village. So if you just need a location to start something, boom, there it is. You don't have to use the dungeon, the moat house at all. And it's an introductory module. It's for first-level players. And that's probably why some of these are on the list are probably some of our favorites or we like them so much because – how many times campaigns crap out around sixth, seventh, eighth level, whatever. So a lot of the ones that got a lot more use or got played more were the lower level adventures. Let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. So, Well, let's find out what will you put in as your next one? Well, now this is the one that's kind of off the, the beaten path. Maybe DCC number 86 hole in the sky by Brendan LaSalle. Um, yeah. I would call that one for you. Yeah, in, I'm, yeah, there's no surprise for you. In recent years, with my incursions into DCC and, and my affection for the system, um, I ran a number of funnels, and this is one that you you probably heard me mention before on the on the podcast. Um, I, we got we had the pleasure of having Brendan at last year's you know long con, super great guy, um, and of course he ran this. It pained me. You figure we run a con, the benefit would be we'd get to. I never got to play the first game with Brendan. <laughs> let alone Hole in the Sky. And I couldn't, could not lay my hands on my copy of Hole in the Sky, so I didn't even get a signature. My heart hurts. But anyway, but um, Hole in the Sky is a zero-level funnel. Um, the idea for the adventure, I read somewhere, it came from a, a variety of sources, but um, Brendan has spoken before with us and, and elsewhere about what a huge influence Black Sabbath um, what is on some of his writing. And uh, and particularly the the name of this adventure is Hole in the Sky. That's the name of a song off of uh, the Black Sabbath second album, uh, Sabotage. But anyway, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, but it's a really neat adventure. It hits a lot of the right beats. Um, It's got a it's got a great villain in Kerr Maxima, which is just really fun as a GM to run him. you know, as a, as a, as a, as a judge, as they call it. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's great. That's why I laugh. I've told this story before. I'll try to be brief, but like uh, one of our good friends, uh, Bradley, who's got into DCC came to me one day, just all, you know, like jazzed up. And he's like, man, have you heard of this adventure hole in the sky? And I just grinned and said, tell me about it. What do you like about it? You know? And I mean, yeah, he was, he's preaching to the choir, you know I mean? That's just a really, a great fun adventure. And it's one that early on when I was trying to get the local community into DCC, I ran a few times. So it's sad. I never got to run that for him, but yeah, if there's anybody out there that's like, dude, I, I want to play that. It's, you know, uh, let me know. I, I, 
I could practically run it from memory, kind of like Eddie can some, some of the adventures in his list, I'm sure. That's one that yeah. if, I, if I didn't have it in front of me, I could still practically run it just from, because I've ran so many times and I just love it. But yeah, great, great, great adventure, you know. Sabotage is the sixth album. Oh, six. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought second. That's crazy. Anyway, six. Thank you for correcting me. And you, you wouldn't Anytime. think Eddie uh, was that big a fan of Black Sabbath, but oh, dear listener, indeed he is. <laughs> well, I, that much I could tell you. I couldn't tell you everything, but maybe that much. Yeah. So uh, since you've got a DCC hitting the list now, I will go ahead and put a DCC on there. Yeah. And it will be Shambling Undead. Yeah, and that's actually one of those ones that, well, never mind. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> you're giving away spoilers? No, we'll see. I'm sure you're going to hit on this. Go ahead. You know. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. So, The Shambling Undead is another DCC. It's a another zero-level funnel. Hmm. Uh, it is created by the legendary Jim Wampler, hmm. written by Bob Brinkman, Jeffrey Tadlock, Stephen Newton, David Beatty, and Daniel Bishop. And those are some really great names of some great creators in that list. Yeah. So I will say this one is free. You can get it for free on Goodman Games. But one of the things I like about this is it's really straightforward, simple. You pretty much have to go through every encounter you have to complete one encounter to get to the next one. It's the opposite of open world, I guess you would say. It's very railroady, which is not my bag typically. But for some reason, in this case, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened was they had a bunch of the different DCC writers come together and basically write an encounter. You know, A, B, C. You go from here to here to here, and you can't move until you've done the other one. One of the things I like about this for convention play is that you can, or really any kind of play demo play is you can trim it down. Mm -hmm. It's got, uh, let's see, count it up real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six different areas. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to do the first one and the last one, but other than that, you can mix it up and it won't make too much difference. If you do the first one and the third one and the last one, it's pretty much the same. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You can fit it down to different time slots. Yeah, you were calling it linear, but realistically, you you don't you don't have to go directly from a, the the first encounter to the second. You might go to the third. I mean, there's there's certain places where no, you can't progress until you do the subjective. But once so, you could you know, like you said, you as a GM can mix and match, you know, which which ones which encounters you want to use. I'll say that. Yeah, which what you just said. Yeah, it's it's linear in the fact that you can't go out and go. Hey, instead of fighting the undead, spoiler, we're going to go mine gold in the hills. No, you're not. You're trapped in this area until you engage with it and finish it. That's all you're doing. This is your life from now on. For example, the first one is killing zombies. If you don't get all those zombies killed or figure the way out of this area, that's it. It's very black and white. It's this or nothing. And then from there is the GM. You can move them to wherever you want. So I guess you could also say the module is modular. Yeah, because you might you might in the little Lego pieces as you want. Yeah, you might steer them towards the church, or you might steer them towards the park, or you might steer them towards the waterfront. So I mean, yeah, in that regard, 
you know, it's not like, nope, when you get down to the graveyard, you have to go to the waterfront. So, I mean, there is that. So out of this, I know you've run it too. I think mm-hmm. we've probably got the same favorite section. Like if you were running this, you probably do the very beginning one because that's the intro. You right. do the last one because that's where the big bad is. Mm-hmm. But if you were only running one more thing out of this or which piece of it sounds out the most to you? Players seem to really have a real reaction to the church. Which is Wormtooth Abbey. Yep. Which that is indeed the part written by David Beatty. See, now, see, I did not know that. That's awesome. That, wow. He did it. I had to go back and look it up too. They're I was good. doing my research for this episode and I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder who wrote that. Yeah. David Beatty. Wow. So see, I'm glad you shared that tidbit. That's interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong. All these parts are good, but I know the one that really seemed to yeah. have the biggest impact on players is Wormtooth Abbey. And so, wow. Uh, yeah. Kudos to David Beatty, man. Yep. And, Again, Jim Wampler was the one that came up with the idea, the module, the layout. So really a killer's row of talent from the DCC crew. But just a special shout out on that, that that's like, if you were going to run it, do the first part, do the last part and try and get that Wormtooth Abbey in there. Yeah. I mean, even, and that's the cool thing about at a con, if you, if you're, you know, even a decent judge, you got your finger on the pulse. You see how the players are progressing with the content. You go, I got a four-hour play slot here. You can kind of you can you can hit the you know hit the gas and add in another encounter. You can pull another one out. You know, I mean, it's it, it would be hard to believe players would get through every one of those encounters. But even then, six will take up a four-hour time slot. You know, at least. Yeah, and you can pretty much turn around and run it for the same group again. And that they didn't get all. Then it had different guts. Yeah. Now you're right. And that's, what's cool. You've ran it for some of the same people multiple times and I bet they've been pleased to go, Oh, wow. You know, yeah, I saw some of the same things, but there was some different stuff in there. You know? Yeah. That's one of the things that I like about it. It's like you played this. Okay. But did you do this? Oh, you didn't. All right. Boom. There we go. It's for, it's what you, it's easier to bring the returning player in with the new players mm-hmm. instead of like crap. Now I got to try and dig out a different module that may not be as good for beginners. And this is definitely one that I would say for beginning players, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, and that's one reason why you like this one so much. You've used it a lot. I've ran also in this same vein is they've done three different adventures that are freebies on the Internet. You can get them from the Goodman Games site. And what they're meant, they're meant for con play, and they're sort of meant to be kind of – they're funnels, and they're somewhat competitive. There's one that's just outright a competition from the get-go, but it's like three teams of three that represent law, chaos, order – the other one, Hypercube of Might, you all work cooperatively, but at the end, Teehee, you might just be compelled to fight each other. Same deal with yours, spoiler alert, that you work together cooperatively towards the end, you might just turn on each other. You know, who knows how that plays out, wink, wink. But yeah, all three of these were written by these, a lot of these same cool cats. And uh, and even in Hypercube of Might's a real fun one. You got to spec, no, you played or spectated on that one when I ran it uh, at the first board game event here locally or whatever but yeah that was a fun one mm-hmm. and, and, and to give Eddie, yeah to give Eddie's props towards the end when things were developing he leaned over to me and winked and elbowed and said hey I know this is about to play out he started giggling and oh yeah he totally had it sussed out it was hilarious the guy who who wink wink won yeah you know <laughs> total yeah Okay, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, check them out. They're all they're all good, but definitely Shambling Undead. I know Eddie would give that his highest thumbs up out of those three freebies that they have on the website. 
they're all good though. Like you said, they're all yeah. really good. No, because you got to right. play. You got to play the one that I ran for last year's long con, the competitive one. I mean, that had a lot of neat concepts in it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't go wrong with those. Mm-mm. All right. So, what's your third choice here? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So. This is one I have had the pleasure of running for Eddie, at least part of it one time, was L1, The Secret of Bone Hill by Leonard Lakofka, um, with titillating cover artwork by Jeff D. It was published in 1981. It's set in the Greyhawk world, the original campaign world. Um, the campaign setting and scenario featuring the book detail a complete town in the Lindor Isles, along with the nearby monster layers. The player characters adventure in and around the fishing port of Restonford, the module is more of a mini setting than an adventure, offering several adventure locations. Now, does this sound familiar to something we just heard previously? Yeah. So, I mean, Village of Helmet's cool because if you were a novice GM and you bought this and you started playing it, you found here was this common point your players could come back to, but they could roam out adventure and, and you might flesh out other little areas, kind of like the Moat House which I meant to mention, but I didn't want to interrupt Eddie, was the many of people like talk about the moat house was so iconic for them. And they'll just say, that's a snapshot of a perfect, you know, scenario, whatever kind of thing, you know, but, um, but it's the, you know, so it turns out I got doing research about this Leonard Lakofka, you don't hear a lot about him, but he was there at the beginning and he helped uh, play test Dungeons and Dragons during its early conceptual days um, you know, and he helped edit, he did a, a an article in uh, Dragon Magazine for some years, like a reoccurring thing. So, yeah, I mean, um, and, and it, there were a couple more adventures in the L series and they were different. That's why the critical reception of his adventures, people kind of was either like love or hate because they were they were kind of different than what was out there at the time. But like years later looking back through this different kind of lens, I think they were innovative in that they weren't the usual dungeon slog. There was little beats and things in there that kind of set it apart from the usual sort of fodder, you know, that some of this stuff could be. Um, but I ran that as a kid. I ran it the year since a few times I've gussied it up for third, you know, not fourth, I don't think. And then I've kind of did my, I've worked on my own version of it for fifth, but with really without any real work, I was, we sat down one night on the fly and I converted this on the fly into fifth. And I think y'all seem to have a good time with it that night. Oh yeah. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. There was one bit I did where the players kind of like went into this burned out basement and it just, there's a quick little blurb saying, yeah, the, the basement's burned out. There's some caverns beneath and here's the thing, you know, whatever. And so when the, the guys, kept, guys kept going, I'm like, well, let me flesh this out real quick on the fly. So I had to kind of dust off my old uh, 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 improvisational GMing skills. And I like to think in the moment I did okay. Um, the, the guys seemed to have fun. And it was fun looking at our most novice player GM and going, oh, by the way, at the end of that, I said, everything I just did practically was improv. And I could see the look of like, holy crap, that wasn't written or scripted. Nope. You know, but this is this is what you can do as a gym. Just have fun with it. Go go freestyle. You know, um, but that's that's a whole side thing. But yeah, I, I really enjoy Bone Hill because kind of like you know, like you said with Hamlet, it was a great introduction for low level play, and it could show a gym what a, a town could be like. The the NPCs, there's quick blurbs. But there's just enough information in there to give them a little bit of character, and you can and to hang hooks on, and you could blow 
breathe a little more life into these, these NPCs and characters. And so it really could teach you as a novice GM, hey, here's what a town could be like in your fantasy world. You know, and anyway, yeah. So it was very helpful for a novice GM, you know, like if nothing else, you know, here, here's a village. It's got some detail. Now you can develop the surrounding area, let your players wander, you know. Yeah. Yeah, which has kind of become a trope now or a cliche. Mm-hmm. But this was when that was all being invented. That yeah. was the new, like, wow. Yeah. In fact, I think Gygax was so um, kind of, you know, what's where I'm looking for. Like he respected and liked what Lakofka had done that the Lindor Isles are included in the world of Greyhawk. I mean, they're actually on the map. They're included. So, I mean, if this, he'd be like, eh, what's this Lindor Isle crap? Yeah, you keep that over there. No, he was like, wow, that's good stuff. You mind if we plug that into the the world of Greyhawk? Yeah, please do. You know I mean? That's, that's kind of neat, you know? All right, so here is my third pick, which you will not see coming at all. It is Death, Frost, Doom. (laughs) Which that groan is music to my ears. Oh, yeah. Which means you've got got to enjoy this one. This is a Lamentations module by the man himself, Edward Raggy. Mm-hmm. who, if you want me to go into a rant about Lamentations, I will be happy to. That guy mm-hmm. owes me money. <laughs> he owes me money. Where's my money? So in no way, no way will I endorse his products. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other good stuff, but this is one that I've gotten a lot of use out of it. It might be a love it or hate it thing. Raggy is interesting in his concepts as a GM. I think he's the maybe the opposite of the yes and GM into the no, but then you die, GM. (laughs) Can I do this? No, but you die. So it's a hard dungeon. It's a difficult dungeon. Uh, Here's your uh, kind of flowery text for it. There is a curse laid on everything in that place. Cursed, you hear me? Cursed! Up on the mountain is a house by a cemetery haunted by the memories of atrocities past. The cult on the mountain is gone. Yet the music of weirding death carries on the wind. The mountain is cold, so very cold. And the greedy and the foolish will march bravely up the mountain for gold and glory. Oh, yes, they will. But are they worth your soul? And I really like this one because as much as I have grown some hatred for uh, the Lamentations, one of the things that I did like was they're like, adventurers are nuts. Mm -hmm. These are the craziest people in the world because who would do that who is going to risk certain death for a few gold pieces if that yeah i mean honestly cowards don't like adventurers because a lot of times you're just going to rile up whatever's there like they went and fought the orcs and then they leave and then the orcs come back and ruin the village after that because they're mad or you or they awaken the ancient evil in the bottom of the dungeon yeah and and they're gone by the time the repercussions hit or they bring a curse with them when they come to the town that they woke the curse. Or a disease. Yeah, a plague. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So yeah. adventurers, they're they're a problem that we've just got to take care of. Yeah. Uh, I really one of the things that I enjoy in this one is that the players do it to themselves. <laughs> in spades. There is a NPC in this that begs you not to go into the dungeon. 
And I mean, Eddie, Eddie played leads. Eddie played him so well. He emoted better than I've ever seen him before. Like this guy was in tears and holding the hems of our tunics going, please, I'm begging you, I implore you, you know. Did we yeah, listen? Yeah, I love to play that guy because it listen? frees you from everything that you do after that. Uh, you have begged them not to go into this dungeon of death. And they're like, no, 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 we're going in. So it's kind of like you signed your consent form. <laughs> it's like, I told you this is going to be really deadly. And I told you not to go in there. So now it's on. And this this has to be a personal favorite of our buddy Cody's <laughs> computer center for all your computer needs. Because I, I won't say it's one of the first ones he played, but it had to be one of the first ones he played, right? It was. It was. And it was. And I had the. If you read it out loud to the party, I would write notes, and I was like, "If you read it out loud to the party, you're saying this. Your character is saying it to the party. You're 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 encanting the the thing. You know, if you say it out loud, obviously. So as as we went along, and he's reading, and they're getting worse and worse effects. He keeps reading them out loud. And it, and I, I gotta give Eddie. Props. He's really not obligated to do this, but he gave us ample warning, ample warning. He even a few times chimed in and said, so you're saying that out loud, you know, like, like who doesn't know by now when a GM says stuff like, so that's what you want to do. You go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? But no, just Cody kept on reading. <laughs> so that is another low level dungeon. You could bump it up because there's a lot of times where it's like, it doesn't matter. Either you figure this out or you don't. It's mm -hmm. not so much, if only I had a little bit more power and I could fight my way out. Yeah. It's a lot more, if only I had a little bit more common sense and hadn't done that. Yeah. And there's so many things that, well, like, well, I don't want to spoil the spoilers, but there's like something my character did. And of course, the first time you do it, it works amazing. So <laughs> every other player scrambles to emulate what I did and it ends horribly. And then there's the person that doubles down and does it some more and it's even worse, you know? It's like, no. But it is classic monkey trap. Oh, yeah. Thank you for using my own nomenclature. Monk, that is a total monkey trap of the highest order. Yeah. 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 But if there are monkeys, <laughs> why not? Why not trap them? <laughs> and I do like that sort of thing that maybe not punishes your metagaming, but... It uses it against you. Which is brilliant because honestly, the people like me that even sometimes go, come on, guy, quit metagaming. Well, metagame all you want. It will bite you in the ass in that adventure. So that's one that if you hang around me long enough, I'll break that out on you. Mm. And it's not one that I recommend for your friends. <laughs> it's not one to play with people you want to stay friends with, which makes it great for cons. Yeah, yeah. And what's funny, I, I can't be mad at Eddie because I practically, I didn't beg, but I, I implored him to run this for me because I heard so many good things about it. And he goes, no, no, I don't want to ruin our friendship. And I went, oh, you card, you know. No, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, anyway, no, no. It's, yeah, it's going to yeah, be a friendship. <laughs> if, you, if you should ever uh, be so inclined to read some of these modules, they're a pretty good read. Yeah. They're more of a thought exercise than an actual adventure. Mm. It's more like, okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to people. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have that kind of... I got a mean streak, but it ain't that big. Yeah. Like, I, do I want to get throat punched? Nah, you know. Exactly. I've got to make it out of here. I've got to see these people again. Yeah. But no, I, so there's I mean, interesting concepts in his stuff, yeah. but 
Having said all that, a lot of it is just got to stay at concept. I'm glad I got to play that. And I can't really, at the end of the decade, he said, you, you really can't have any ire. I asked him to run it for us. He did run it. He kind of warned me. And even then in play, he has the NPCs in the situation kind of give us some serious hints and clues. This is a bad idea, but we kept on trudging forward, you know? So, I mean, really, who do you have to blame but yourself? But uh, I would still say, check it out. If you got a chance to play it at a con as a one-off, I wouldn't play it with a beloved character, but yeah, you know, check it out. It is, it, it, it's got, right. yeah. What's your number four? This is one that's going to be kind of wild probably is, is it's SHE 4-01 Red Rendezvous. Now, Red Rendezvous is for the Living, is Living Greyhawk. It was for third edition D&D. It was an adventure writ, written by Kevin P. Hogan and Sean Smith, which, I wish I'd had time to do more research to see if this guy's ever did anything else. But um, that's what I've told people in the past. The Living Greyhawk campaign, I played some adventures that were ho-hum, a few that were generally bad, quite a few that were good. And there were some genuine diamonds in the rough that I'm like, wow, what a shame that no one has the rights to these to where they can be uh, publishing. And that's, that's, I could go on about that for a while. It's just so sad that there are some great, great Living Greyhawk adventures. And anymore, it's even got hard to find those on the internet. Um, I had one point got damn lucky and had all of them practically. And due to some misstep on my part, I deleted the majority of them. And I'm just heartbroken because there's some real great ones. And speaking of this is one of those. And I, as an example, the other day, I ran to an old buddy that we played living ground together. And I, we kind of were reminiscing. And I said, what was one of the adventures that really sticks with you? And what came out of his mouth, he goes, man, you know, I love red rendezvous. That was such a great adventure. And I'm like, wow. You know, so it wasn't just me. And, uh, but anyway, red rendezvous, um, involved the Scarlet brotherhood. Um, uh, basically the, the S H E, stands for Shodomar Valley. So Living Greyhawk, you had the region you played in, and then you had a meta region. And so Shodomar Valley was the was the meta region. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but this adventure, it was somewhat of an investigative mod. Well, in fact, I actually redid this one for our local play group when we first started up the fifth edition campaign we were doing. What did we call it? Like Greyhawk Eternal? Yeah, yeah, Greyhawk Eternal, Greyhawk Reborn, whatever it was. And so um, the players really connected with this adventure, to my memory. And this is the kind of thing where even if you didn't like the whole product, you'd find something because there's some, there's some interesting engaging combat encounters. So if you're the combat guy or gal, it had some points where there's some role-playing involved. Like you have to convince this one player who's on the lamb to like, come on, come out of hiding, come with us, we'll protect you. At one point you have to interact with the judge and speak on his behalf. So you've got to, you know, make that passionate uh, plea that, you know, that, you know, so there's, so there's some, some good potential for some interesting role play with the NPCs. There's some interesting NPCs in this. There's the Scarlet Brotherhood, which is an old classic enemy, you know, in Greyhawk. And it's kind of fun to have them involved. Um, you know, and, and it, like I said, it's got different beats like that. I can't think of them all now, but I was thinking about them this morning that just, it, it hits a lot of things like, do you like investigative mods? There's some investigation. Do you like role play? There's role play. Do you like combat? There's some engaging combats. Um, and there's a really neat combat encounter at the end where you can probably beat it. It's a tough encounter, but the one guy that's supposed to get away, and I'm always proud of the tables that somehow find a way to keep the guy from getting away, you know? So anyway, but yeah. 
that's yeah, that's that's classic. Yeah, yeah. And so even though it's not one of these ones you can easily get your hands on, if you can find get your hands on it, bravo. Um, because it's one that that evolved, and I've played a lot of great fun adventures back in the Greyhawk days, but that's one that really stood out to me was Red Rendezvous. Anyway, so all right. So now that you have kind of broke the seal on that from just having uh, first editions and DCCs, mm -hmm. I will go to fifth edition with Dun 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 Death House. You know it. Mm. So Death House is free. So there you go. I got another freebie on my list mm -hmm. uh, written by Chris Perkins. It's a fifth edition intro module to D&D &D and the Ravenloft setting. Uh, you come in at first level, you leave at third level, which is always cool. Yeah. And it's a haunted house. How can you go wrong with that? Yeah, you're telling me. So it's one that I like to run. I've run it so many times. It's hard to fit into just one sitting because it can go a little long. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could be said about that. Uh, oh, yeah. I do the little model house to go with it. Which so that's when you know that I really like something. Yeah, that kicks it up a notch. So that one's got a lot of visual effects. Mm -hmm. But That'll be my number four choice, Death House. Like I'll, I'll chime in. What I love watching you run it, being there, I played a handful of times when you ran it and whatnot, is there the first part kind of of it lulls the players into that kind of like false sense of like, they're almost, they're not bored by any means because it's you run that really well. It's a great adventure, but they're lulled as well. You just kind of get lulled. And then when all of a sudden that dial goes up to 11 and you see them get the, poop kicked out of them because they're not making the, the best decisions because they've gotten kind of lackadaisical. I mean, and now, now tell me if I'm wrong. You ran it. You're the guy running it, but have you not seen that or is that not a true statement? Which that kind of, well, I'm not going to jump ahead to my, my end point, but yes, yes, I agree with you. Okay. Okay. So there you go. So that's my number four. What is your Number five. Number five. Well, here we go again, taking it, you know, back to here. B2, the keep on the borderlands by, again, Gary. Ah, Dragon. yeah. Yeah. Ranked by, ranked the seventh greatest Dungeons and Dragons adventure of all time by Dungeon Magazine back in 2004. Um, when they were going to introduce fifth edition, when they were calling it D&D Next, they actually worked up a version of this adventure basically not the town part, but the caverns of chaos. They read, they redid those in the, the, the beginnings, the test version of the uh, fifth edition, D &D, which they call D and D next. So, I mean, right there, they, if they want to pick something to help you kick the tires, what a perfect thing, the caverns of chaos from uh, the keep on the borderlands. And again, kind of like the awesome Hamlet choice of Eddie's against like my choice for bone Hills, which has, you know, the Lindor Isles and rested, the keep is a great focal point for players. Like if you're a new GM and you got your hands on that module and it used to come in the box with the basic set, I think um, it was a great introduction for you as a GM to, okay, here's a town and here's some interesting NPCs and characters. And there's a lot of details right there. Now the players will probably get to town and go, all right, let's hurry up, scout in the wilds. But you could, you could adventure for a while, just exploring the town and getting to know the, the NPCs. Yeah, that's one that I would have picked because I just ran it not too long ago. Yeah. 
and you did a great job. I had a lot of fun with it. And that was the one that was done with fifth edition in mind by Goodman games. Um, and it, it was, and it was, it was such a, a nostalgia trip for me. I love that so much because I love that adventure as a player and as a game master, you know? Yeah. I played some of that with you. I don't think we finished it. Did we? Yeah. Maybe we were at our, when you ran it. Oh no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Sadly. No. Um, cause I think, yeah, I originally signed up to help play test fifth edition, but I've gotten so kind of, angry with you know dnd and hasbro about god not another version of the game and and uh i would kind of was just shaking my fist like you know what i'm not even gonna be party to this so we we didn't finish it sadly but um which of course i was talking about the time we were playing with tim well that was because you know our players kind of vanished or whatever but that's when we were trying to go back old school and re-embrace the older you know first second edition because we had just went to NTRPG or we were going to go to NTRPG and we wanted to kind of brush up on old school gaming. Right. Right. And that's what's hilarious. That's when we really stopped and took a step back and went, you know, why did we quit playing this? This is great. I'm loving this, you know? Um, and it was fun. We had players that would wander up to the game store and go, are y'all playing AD&D? And we'd be like, yep. And they'd be like, dude, can I play? Whether they had never played it and always heard about it and wanted to, or they had played it and hadn't played it in years. And it was really fun to see the people that would come up that were like, dude, you know, but, um, you know, if it ain't broke, you know. Um, well, I got to play part of it with you a couple of times. And then yeah. DJ ran us in a group through it one time. Yeah. And then I got to come back and run it for a group here. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. And we had some, we had a lot of fun with it. It was, it was a hoot. The only thing that, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah we had a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great, I'm, I'm so tickled. They did that conversion to fifth edition, the Goodman games. In fact, all those conversions that Goodman has done are great. I recommend I either ran or played or read. And I, I'm kind of excited. The next one's going to be Castle Amber. Ironically enough, that's one of those classic, maybe not classic, one of those older D and D adventures that I never got the benefit of playing. So it'll be interesting if my first taste is via fifth edition rules. I'm almost tempted to try it first in the old school version, you know, but anyway, well, I will say with uh, the Borderlands, I was really lucky that I got to play it and then go back and run it. Oh, yeah, because that's one of the best experiences you can get. That's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's the complete package. Yeah. You get to appreciate it from the player side mm-hmm. and then you get to go back in and read all the little details as the GM mm-hmm. and see all the stuff like, oh, yeah, that is cool. Or all the little stuff that's off to the side that you may not have engaged with. Yeah. And, and I think we're both the guy that we love to, to look behind the curtain and we'll read the adventure and go, oh, there's some really interesting tidbits that really and it's sad when you'll see there's adventures. I think like like you've talked about with Raggy stuff, there's so much interesting backstory and lore about this adventure. And you think, man, as much as that takes a path to modern, it's really cool. There's no way this will come across and play to the characters. I mean, unless I just, really go over the top there's no way to let them know all this cool detail and you're like man i mean it may it might help you get in the right mindset for the adventure but anyway it's, it's fun to enjoy and, and understand and see that all that cool content sometimes it really has well, that reminds me of the one that you just uh, gave me the other day by michael curtis what was it a small a single small cut a small single cut yeah, a single small cut yes a single small cut or something like that yeah which that one's basically just an encounter, but it's got so much backstory and lore to it. Uh I mean, that's probably nine tenths of that adventure Yeah, where it's just like all this, 
if you were trying to start up a campaign mm-hmm. and you just had that, you don't even need the encounter because yeah. you've got such a good backstory there. You could do anything with it. Yeah. But yeah, there was a guy that highly recommended it. And honestly, Michael Curtis can hardly do any, any wrong. He, that's what that guy, just, just, just so you know, I never told you this, but the guy who wrote that art, who recommended it said, this is something that would be a good springboard point for a campaign, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's echoing what you're saying. Yeah, that one wasn't good as a one-off, which was what we were looking for at the time. Right. Because, yeah, once you start that one, you'll be like, but there's so much interesting about it. Well, we're never doing that again. Yeah. yeah. You'll never hear about it again. Yeah. All right. You ready for my number five? Lay it on me, brother. So speaking of writers that can do no wrong, Harley Stroh. Bam. So you know where I'm going with this one? We'll see. DCC 79.5 Tower of the Black Pearl. Yep. You ran that once every decade. The tides of the Imperial Ocean recede far enough to reveal the highest eaves of a mysterious underwater tower. Long ago, this was the eldritch fastness of Cesrican the Elder, the most wicked ever, wicked wizard ever to plague the known world. But now the tower is known simply as the final resting place of the fabled Black Pearl an artifact rumored to bring doom upon all that would dare possess it. Tonight, the moon nearly fills the sky and the tides have already begun to recede. Adventurers have eight short hours to explore the tower before the waters return. The fabled Black Pearl will be theirs for the taking if they can survive the Pearl's curse. So just right there in your little intro, he sets the hook. This is one that I've had a lot of fun running for players. It's a first level DCC adventure. Uh, it's got a lot of interesting concepts, things you might not have thought of, seen before. Uh, it's got a lot of good tension points because you start off with you're under the gun. You've only got eight hours. Yeah. Then there are a few traps here and there that put you on time frames. So that's the thing. There's lots of lots of places for tension. A lot of places where you can get you can keep somebody's attention because they're like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? Yeah. So that's what I like. And, and, and it's it's brilliant in that it's got some. There's definitely some content there, but it's where some modules would be really hard to fit into a con slot. Seems like because the, the these tension building elements keep the players on on track on pace. You could probably run this pretty, I would, well, your opinion, because you've ran it a ton of times. Wouldn't you say this one would fit in a campaign and a con slot pretty well? Uh, I don't know, because you would think that the tension keeps them moving, mm-hmm. but the tension also gives you that analysis paralysis. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Do, do you want to hit the switch or not? I, I don't know. Let me sit here. Yeah in real time and think about it in the, you know, millisecond that my character has. Yeah. But you ran this for me, Cody and Gary, and we all had a blast with it. A lot of fun. Yeah. And there's been times where I've gone and tried to run it in a four hour slot and it just won't get done. And that's the one where people clamor for you to come back and run the second part. Well, you actually- so that's how, you know, they're into it. Yeah. It, it took you two sessions for us. I will. I will now that I remember it did take two. But I think maybe we didn't have a full four hours that first time. But yeah, but that shows you that we were generally excited to come back and finish it, and we did. 
Yep. And I've had that happen with other groups where it's kind of like, ah, this is just a demo game or whatever. This is just my road crew thing to introduce you to the concept of DCC. Or maybe you've gotten to play before and now you actually get to take that funnel character and put it into a first level adventure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's people have really enjoyed it. I enjoy it. Uh, anything with a Cezrican connection is going to go over for me. <laughs> And this is one that Matt recommended to me when I was like, okay, I've run so many funnels now. Give me something first level that I can move these people into. And he was like, check this one out. Um, I've always enjoyed getting a chance to play a DCC adventure before I uh, run it. And like, so I never ran this, but I just heard so many good things about it. Number one for two, if you ask a lot of people, they'll tell you Harley stroke and do no wrong. And so I, yeah, I passed this one off to Eddie and, and, Apparently it was a good pick. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Do you know this was originally written for 3.5 D&D? Yeah, it seems like quite a few of the, I guess, DCC ones, and maybe more so even with Harley Stroh, mm-hmm. were previously published. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, any format you got this in, it would be good. And it would be easy to convert it over to something else. If you are oh, yeah. have those hardcore 5th edition only players. Mm-hmm you could convert this over. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's like you said, a lot of this stuff, if you were like, well, I'm not into this game or that game, you could easily convert it. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah. if you're fairly savvy with the system, like I said, I converted a, uh, I was going to say uh, the secret of bone Hills, I think AD and I converted that to fifth edition on the fly. And I don't think I didn't have any problems. You know, so and this too, you could easily convert it. But, but yeah, Harley Stroh's got some cool concepts. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but like even one of the first rooms with these candles, you just think it's a room full of candles. But God, there's a deeper, deeper, deeper concept there. That's all I'm going to say. But spoilers, yeah, spoilers. yeah, that's all I'm going to say. But boy, talk about when it comes to when you find if you if and when you figure out the, the deeper concept, I mean, your mind is blown. You know, that is a great adventure. A good call, man. Yeah. All right. As you were putting together your list, did you notice anything? Was there any commonality in your list? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, three, what was it? Two of my choices were kind of lower level adventures that had, um, you know, the, like I said, Secret of Bone Hill and, and Keep on the Borderlands are both kind of lower level adventures that have a really well-developed focal point for play. So there's that. Um and then kind of the more I didn't think about this until when I'm making this, I thought, well, I really love Tomb of Horrors. Well, Tomb of Horrors is almost kind of like a funnel. So it's funny how much we've embraced mm-hmm. D- DCC and we enjoy yet the concept of the funnel. The Tomb of Horrors is kind of a funnel. You know, I mean, you're going to any characters you send in there, you send them to their death. You know, I mean, almost assuredly. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a funnel for higher level characters. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like yeah, it's almost like the original funnel. Um, and, and so, of course, Hole in the Sky being a funnel as well. And there's, like I said, I don't want to spoil anything for people on Hole in the Sky, but it's there's even things that if you don't initially think you don't necessarily like DCC, that Hole in the Sky can fix the things that you might not like. Like when Brendan was writing it, he had a friend in mind that had kind of played and kind of hemmed and hawed and grouse a little bit about some of the concepts of funnel play that he didn't like. The Hole in the Sky turns it on its ear, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a really brilliant, it hits a lot of good beats, but so yeah, you could kind of a commonality between Tomb of Horrors and Hole in the Sky. Well, they're both funnel-esque, you know? Um, 
and like I said, but as far as like I said, Red Rendezvous, it it covers so many bases as an adventure, you know. Anyway, yeah, but no, I don't know. What about you? So I would say for mine, they were all low level, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of frameworks. Not to take anything away from the people that created them, mm-hmm. but they leave enough room in there for the GM to add their style yeah. or their own little weird quirks, mm-hmm. especially say something like death house mm-hmm. as written that's pretty darn vanilla yeah and that's when you as a seasoned gm can come back and sprinkle your little spices in it yeah put your little twists so yeah that's kind of what maybe for modules in general i'd say is some advice to you as you get more experienced to think of these as they're the kind of take off the shelf uh mac and cheese and as you learn a little bit more, you can add your herbs and spices and go, you know, if I put a little of this in there, it's going to make it taste that much better. Yeah. Um, it's funny you should put a little of yourself in it, yeah. listener. Because talking about Red Rendezvous, back in the LG days, I remember my friend Bobby Howe, who passed recently, rest, rest in peace there, buddy. I remember him getting to play Red Rendezvous and him telling me one night, he said, hey, man, your wife's out of town. I'm going to come up to the game store. I just want to sit and listen while you run that adventure for these, this other group. And well, you're welcome to play. And he's like, no, no. So he just sat back in the corner and, and listened. And I saw him grinning or leaning forward or, or gasping like at different things. At the end, he came to me and he said, dude, I want to tell you right now, I'm downright kind of envious. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, when I, when I heard you were going to run this adventure, I thought, man, that's one of the worst living greyhawk adventures I've played. And I thought, you know, really, it's a shame that you'd pick that one. I was curious why. But watching you run it for your group and how they interacted with it, I'm I'm kind of – I want to go thump the guy on the head that ran it. That guy cut parts out and lowballed it and just kind of phoned it in. Yep. And you you really embellished the NPCs and, and you know, da-da-da-da-da. And you, you know, really – when the hanging judge comes in, you know, the, the way you play up to where you just want to hate that hanging judge. And he's like, yeah, that – so, yeah, I mean, it's about what you can bring – to the adventure as opposed to somebody else you can make it your own you know anyway yeah so that's what we have to say about that they're pretty good as written but you can put your own twist to it and make it that much better how do you want that npc to sound Mm -hmm. what will you do that makes it different and for example i'll go ahead and brag on myself here for the village of Hamlet, the last time I ran it, we barely used any of the material because I had created something entirely different where all the villagers were coming up missing. That's not in the module. That's just something I said, well, here's a framework, but I want to use this adventure. Give me this town already so I don't have to do the work, but let me tell this story. And we had a lot of fun. And then when we played it, And when we played it back in the day, that's when it had a lot of Ravenloft aspects to it, where it was like, what? The mist came pouring in, you know, Uh uh-oh. Yeah, so you can make these your own. Yeah. Just like we've chosen to make this last just about hour and a half our own for you, dear listener. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your favorite adventures that you've enjoyed? What are the ones that you really love to run or you had the most fun playing? Let us know. Sound off. Do you have a favorite author or writer of these modules? Yeah. 
So awkward pauses aside, I think that's it. What do you think? I think so, amigo. All right. Uh, I will probably put links to these on our uh, previous one that we used for like the top 10 fantasy images. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go back and look at that, you'll have a place to go and see our list. Uh, There is a list of the top 30 adventures ever in dragon magazine from a while back that I would like to, for us to sit down and review those sometime, but I'd also like for us to get a chance to play through them. Yeah. So you may see me and Matt try and organize something that way too, where we try and run some of these classic modules. So listeners, you got the heads up on that, that you might see some of this floating around out there. Right on. All right. So like a zero level character, we're all out of hit points. (sighs) 